Well, it was election day in America once again, at least in Georgia, to be specific. It was the runoff uh, for the U.S. Senate between the incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and Republican challenger Herschel Walker. It had been a nail biter, as these things often are these days in a time of uh, fairly extreme polarization, back and forth, seesaw phase. But in the end, all major news outlets are predicting tonight that uh, U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock has, in fact, indeed held on to that seat. And that is a big deal. Uh, he'll win a six-year term. That will give the Democrats a 51-49 majority in the Senate. For the next little while, a little bit of breathing room they hadn't had before after picking up Pennsylvania uh, back in November when uh, when the votes were initially held. This vote, of course, went to a runoff because no one got 50% of the vote. Um, and it you know it basically wraps up what was a really fascinating midterm season in America because it went in with this anticipation of perhaps, you know, unpopularity of Joe Biden, perhaps we were going to see a real victory for the Republicans, a so-called red wave. And tonight, it feels like what's really happened uh, is is sort of the, the final uh, stamp on that being anything but a red wave. Now, certainly the Republicans control the House of Congress, which is a big, or the House, rather, which is a, um, which is a, a big win. They didn't control uh, anything in the past, but they don't have the Senate. And a lot has shifted heading into 2024, because, of course, what we're looking for now is not only how will Joe Biden and the Democrats govern over the next few years now that they've lost one uh, half of Congress, but uh, what does this all mean for 2024 when the presidency and elections take place once again? Um, joining me now with more on this is Paul Quirk. He's the fill-in chair in U.S. politics and representation at the University of British Columbia. Paul, thanks for your time. Uh, thank you, Ben. So it was, as always, I mean, I always find it interesting to watch how it unfolds because it is never not close, even though Noah, <laughs> Herschel Walker may have been one of the least qualified candidates that I've seen in a very long time, and yet it still was very close. Yes, I think he's the uh, least qualified candidate uh, for a national office uh, of any uh, in my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> so really quite extraordinary. Uh, and what it, what it represents is that, uh, in the first place, the uh, state of Georgia is uh, highly partisan. More, most of the country is highly partisan, but Georgia more than a lot of other places, and quite evenly divided. And uh, people uh, nowadays care more about the party than about the qualifications of the candidate, that's partly uh, because the party uh, matters. The party of the candidate you know, determines who he's going to line up with and uh, which side is going to win a lot of votes. I guess in a two-horse race, you're going to back your horse no matter what, right? I mean, that's what it boils down to. That's, that, that is what, it's, what it boils down to, I think. And uh, there, there were, I think, quite a few people expected, and I, I think this was an intelligent uh, or reasonable expectation, that uh, Warnock's margin might be larger, and it wouldn't have been because uh, uh, Republicans were uh, converted, but because they might not turn out, uh, that is, they might lack enthusiasm for the task of going to the polls to vote for somebody who was uh, so such an obviously defective candidate. And also uh, in circumstances where uh, they did not have a chance to win uh, control of the Senate, the Democrats would have controlled it by the 50-50 vote plus the uh, vice president's vote, even if uh, Walker had won. But that so didn't happen. This, yeah. they, they did turn out. 
Yeah, they did turn out. I mean, I, I, turnout was was remarkably high, uh, considering yeah, yeah. this was a runoff. They voted. I mean, this is how many times have Georgia Georgians gone to the uh, gone to the ballot box of late? Right? It's been it's been, it's yeah, been they, a lot they, with the runoffs. They work hard. They work hard <laughs> in Georgia voting. They have uh, uh, you know, uh, this uh, rule of uh, requiring a fifty percent plus to win the office and. Uh, it's common that there's a third party candidate who gets you know, two or three percent of the vote. And then uh, and if the election is close then it goes to the runoff. So it happens a lot. And this was uh, really unusually high turnout for a runoff in a midterm election for, uh, for Georgia. So given that um, the Democrats were already going to control the Senate as they'd had for the previous two years with that tie-breaking vote, the VP casts uh, uh, Kamala Harris, what does this extra seat give them, if anything? Uh, it gives quite a bit. Uh, the, way, the way the Senate works when the, uh, when the uh, votes are 50-50, uh, the party control is 50-50, is that uh, all of the committees – and committees are important in uh, in the U.S. Senate and and in the House. Uh, all of the committees have uh, equal numbers of members of both uh, parties, and there's a sort of a shared um, working uh, a sharing of the chair chairship. Um, and uh, now, with uh, the Democrats having an actual majority of seats, they will have a majority of members and the chair of every uh, committee. And that makes a significant difference in that the committees can move their business a lot more quickly if there is an actual uh, majority. Uh, and where that is going to matter most is not on legislation because the House is going to be controlled by Republicans and uh, Democrats will not be able to pass any partisan controversial legislation, but it'll matter a good deal uh, on uh, on confirmation of appointments, and that would be especially important for judicial appointments. Right, which has become, of course, the, the battlefield, right, between, and we saw it during the Trump era, we're seeing it again now under, the, under Joe Biden, the, just the sheer number of judicial appointments. It seems to be where they tend to fight out the, another place where the partisan war has has drifted. Uh, what about the next four years, the next two years then with, with this divided Congress and uh, Joe, obviously Joe Biden's still in the White House, uh, what kind of uh, roadblock will that put in the way of his ability to govern? Well, you know, this is, divided government is, is a pretty common circumstance uh, in mm -hmm. the United States. Uh, in fact, uh, for the past several decades, uh, going back to the late 1960s, uh, control of the control of government has been divided in that sense. Uh, that is, one party controlling the presidency, and the other party controlling at least one house of Congress. More often than not, that is, that's a typical feature. And what happens in that case is that uh, nothing passes except legislation that the two parties can agree on. So uh, Joe Biden is not going to be able to. Uh, you know, pass any of the any of the kind of favorite items on a partisan uh, agenda, you know, like more action on climate change or expansion of health care or uh, uh, a strong voting rights uh, bill. All of those things are basically dead because of the Republican uh, House. Uh, but still, uh, there's there are things that come up that are important uh, that both parties can agree on. Hopefully, for example, they will 
continue to fund uh, support for the war in Ukraine. Uh, there may or may not be support for action, effective action to deal with uh, recession if that occurs. That's something where the Republicans might, uh, in the House, might drag their heels, not wanting to help the president uh, on, re- on recession. Uh, but there are there are a lot of things that happen uh, that are important, but they happen only because of bipartisan agreement. The Republicans, after this, I, I gather, I mean, they they had reason to go in with certain certain amount of optimism into the midterms. I mean, Joe Biden was unpopular. They were in the the country was in the middle of a deep inflationary problem. All the it seemed like all the cards were were laid out for a successful midterms. The midterms are usually punishing for the party in power. Um, and it all went kind of, I mean, it didn't go completely wrong, but certainly tonight caps off what was a very disappointing Senate campaign. The Republicans must be doing a bit of soul searching right now. Oh, they, uh, they are. I just, uh, saw a, uh, uh, well, <laughs> you could say they're doing soul searching. I think they actually know <laughs> what the problem is, but they can't Indeed. really deal with it. You know, Paul Ryan, uh, who retired as speaker of the house, a Republican, was just quoted on uh, on radio uh, saying, and I have this in front of me, it's crystal, crystal, crystal clear. We lose with Trump if we stick with Trump. If we dump Trump, we start winning. Uh, and I think that's totally clear from the standpoint of the party's collective or, or general interest. The trouble is that individual office holders have large parts of their constituencies that are strongly, avidly uh, pro-Trump and in the individual members you know, who are still in office, Paul Ryan is not, uh, don't have the courage to make that kind of statement. And so uh, whether, whether uh, the Republicans can uh, rid themselves of, of Trump is the big question. And I think it's, uh, it's very unclear. Paul Quirk is with us this half hour, the Paul Lynn Chair in U.S. Politics and Representation at the University of British Columbia. We're talking about the results of the Senate runoff in Georgia tonight. Uh, All major news outlets have declared that uh, Raphael Warnock, the Democrat incumbent, has won. Uh, He has beaten his Republican challenger, Herschel Walker, uh, who uh, was a strange, certainly a strange candidate. Um, championed by a certain Donald Trump for that uh, for that position at the time. I noticed that Donald Trump was uh, unwelcome, though, in this uh, second half of the campaign, the campaign leading up to this one. Um, that tells you that tells you something, doesn't it? Yes, uh, there was uh, it, it underlines how much he has been a, a drag on the Republicans. Uh, uh, this is actually something that's been true uh probably from the first time he was elected in 2016, but certainly in 2018 and 2020, and now again in 2022, uh, he's uh, hurting the party. There, There is uh, uh, someone did an analysis looking at the candidates that were closely associated with him for the House of Representatives compared with uh, Republican candidates uh, who were not, and his candidates, his favorites, uh, ran about – five percent behind the the others and that's really a big uh, part of the uh, failure of a of the usual you know republican uh, that is the off-party advantage in the midterm election Uh, and so after the uh, after the midterm regular date in, in november when it was apparent there was going to be a runoff 
people were urging Trump to withhold his announcement uh, of a candidate of his candidacy for the presidency, which he did not do. He had already said he was going to announce it, and he kind of had to go through with that. But they also made clear to him that they didn't want him campaigning in uh, in Georgia, which is uh, quite a dramatic uh, uh, snub and indication of what the party thinks of his his role in the campaign. Yeah, his ability to, to kingmake these days. I noticed that uh, the Trump uh, organization was uh, found guilty today and or convicted of a tax fraud scheme uh, as well, just to top it all off. So we're looking ahead now, I guess, I mean, this is it for the election intrigue uh, until 2024. Uh, when you look down, I mean, there's so much, so many questions still to be answered. Will Joe Biden, will Joe Biden stay around for another election? Uh, what happens with Donald Trump? He certainly still has to be the favorite if it's a crowded field, right? I mean, they could try to get rid of him, but I, you know, I know Ron DeSantis is certainly the the choice I gather by some, but you know, he's still pretty unknown outside of Florida. He doesn't have anywhere near the national profile or the popularity that Donald Trump has. Yes, uh, and the, the one thing I think that that's right, and uh, but one thing that I would say it depends on a good deal is how many uh, Republicans end up. Uh, getting into the campaign. Uh, Chris Christie is uh, obviously thinking of it. Mike Pence is obviously uh, thinking of it, and certainly uh, Ron DeSantis. And one of the things that happened in 2016 when Trump got nominated the first time could easily happen again, and that is that he would win uh, early primary elections with some fraction of the vote, like 30 to 35 or maybe 40 percent of the vote when most of the rest of the voters would rank him last, you know, and prefer others, but were dividing their vote among others. Um, so if there are a, a good number of Republican candidates, it makes it easier for Trump to win. If, if DeSantis were the only opponent or, the, uh, or, or became the only opponent fairly early, I think there's a good chance that he could bleed Trump's support away and and win those uh, elections but then even if that happened uh, and DeSantis managed to win the primary it's quite possible that Trump would then just sabotage the party and tell his avid supporters don't vote for the Republicans or run as an independent <laughs> I mean I mean I don't or, think you'll have the yeah. money to do that but yeah yeah, yeah it's uh it's been remarkable to watch because you you look at it and think you know, if you just look at it on paper, he's still the man to be in the Republican yeah. field at this point in time. Well, there have been some polls in which he and DeSantis were about even and other polls in which uh, uh, Trump is leading uh, DeSantis. And given that DeSantis is uh, only becoming known uh, now, I think that, that that indicates that there is a considerable possibility that DeSantis would overtake him. Uh, in if he had you know if he had a chance in in winning winning primaries and if there weren't too many candidates in the field confusing the issues, but then again, uh, what happens to the Republican Party if Trump wants to get nominated and doesn't uh, is is a is a big uncertainty. And oh, there's also yeah. we also can't forget. I, I would say it's more likely than not that Trump will be indicted uh, in the you know in in the coming year, and so. He'll be campaigning for president while indicted. I mean, we've seen it happen in other countries, but it's certainly been uh, interesting to watch in the U.S. Uh, Paul Quirk, thank you so much for your insight on this tonight. Well, thanks very much, Ben.